small staff, and relatively small shul that had, uh, I would say, compared to what's developed over the years, a very limited scope of activities. We had davening, we had a couple of classes, on a Sunday morning, on a Monday night, Tuesday morning, that was basically it. And uh, it was a relatively slow action place. But during Fred's tenure, things grew, the community really continued to grow, and uh, we witnessed quite a bit of growth for individuals, the complexion of the community changed during Fred's time here, and Fred grew along with, along with the community. Uh, as I say, he worked for many, many years with my father. When I had the privilege of succeeding my father uh, in 1991, uh, I had about two, about actually three or four years that Fred and I worked together. I was the rabbi, me as the rabbi, and Fred as, um, as executive director. And we got to know each other in an entirely different way. Uh, when, you, uh, when you work with somebody uh, leading an organization, you get to know all kinds of things. He learned things about me that I never knew, and I learned things about him that I never knew. But um, it really was a privilege to be able to work with him. Fred was the point of entry to this community for a lot of people. My father was the orthodox rabbi in an entirely, significantly non-orthodox community. And um, Beth Jacob was a scary place. And Fred made it easy to connect to the community because he was just down to earth and while he was thoroughly familiar with the ways of the shul and the minhagim and the practices and he was a regular at davening and so on and so forth he was also somebody who was just very comfortable with people and he made people comfortable so fred really became a point of entry for the for the shul and when you had a problem with the shul you weren't going to go to the rabbi and um and bother the rabbi with that, you all know that you're not going to do that. <laughs> and, and so, so who, did they, who did people bother? Fred. And um, Fred was always very calm, low-key, didn't allow things to, to bubble over into any kind of an intense drama, took care of things. Um, so he was a safe and a very friendly um, portal to the show and an outlet, an expression of what the shul stood for, for many, many people. Uh, he was a knowledgeable person. Fred was somebody who, first of all, he, he was the son of a cantor, so he knew the ways of shuls, he knew the way of davening. He knew that at the end of the day, what a shul is, is a place of davening. And that was something that was very important to Fred. Uh, not only was he a chazan himself leading the davening, whenever we gave him the opportunity, but he was also an organizer of the choir. And he took that work very seriously. I think Brian might have mentioned this, and this is why I'm speaking first, so I can steal your thunder today. But um, if, if, you look at Fred, if, you, if you look at Fred's Masar, you will find unbelievably detailed records of exactly what sentence we skip, what sentence we don't skip, what we sing, what music we use, what tunes 
We, what times my father made sure it never to be used again. <laughs> Everything was in that matzah. It's got to be preserved. We probably have to laminate it or something like that. We, uh, because it's really the Sefer Hazikaron for, 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 for the entire shul, for the, for the community, for our minhagim. So Fred really um, found a real niche in this shul and created a, a, um, a place for himself and a place for other people. And of course, who can forget um, the Yisker service that Fred led for many years, long after he retired as executive director. And I want to mention something as well. There was a, there was a strong expression of loyalty that Fred showed to this community. Um, I can think I could put it out there. You all know me, you know I'm straight. Not easy when you retire from a position, not easy to come back and just be a regular guy sitting in the pews. And he did that. He had options, but he loyally loved this show, attended this show, and was a regular participant. And of course, if you are a regular for Shabbos afternoon, everybody knows how to make Havdalah from Fred Glassman. Everybody knows how to end the Holy Shabbos. Even if you were in a rush to get out because Shabbos was ending and your family was waiting or you had to go and make a plane or whatever it is, you knew Shabbos wasn't over till you heard, He nekel Yeshua. Because I'm not going to do that because I'm not Fred. I can't sing like he can. But we all, that's how, that's how Shabbos ended for us for years. And so it's really very hard for those of us especially those of us who uh, come to show every Shabbos and we look at his seat and we listen for the sounds and they're not there. So he's certainly sorely missed. And his impression and his impact on the community uh, is, is sorely missed. Yehizah uh, Baruch, may his memory be a blessing and um, may we continue to relate to each other the way we are tonight through Fred's spirit, through his personality, through the joy that he had in connecting to people in the community, through the synagogue, through the show, through the show which became an address for people to connect to each other. And um, Fred was so much a part of that. So we appreciate very much, by the way, the family making it uh, possible for us to gather together tonight. We got permission from the family. And as, uh, I, spoke, as I spoke to them about it, um, I told them we're not doing this for them. We're doing it for us. We're here because we have a need to collect around Fred's memory and to, to elevate his soul. I do want to mention and give a yashkar to many of you. There are hundreds and hundreds of Mishnayas that have been learned in Fred's memory. And as you all know, learning a Mishnah is one of the best things that can be done for the elevation of a person's soul. Mishnah, Nishama, the same letters, the soul of a person is to a person's body, what the Mishnah, what the oral law is to the uh, written Torah, gives life to, to the written Torah. And so hundreds of Mishnayas have been studied, and not just any Mishnayas, the Mishnayas that we study are the Mishnayas of Seder Moed. Seder Moed, Shabbos, Erevin, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkah, Yom Tov, etc. All of the annual calendar cycle, Yom Tovim, where these Mishnayas were studied in Fred's memory. 
And that, that's a very, very appropriate because Fred really was, he represented the annual cycle. He was the calendar of the show, so to speak, the walking calendar of the show. I talk to every one of you. And at the end of the program, we said we were going to say Kelmale, and then of course we'll have uh, Brian and Danny recite Kaddish at the very end uh, after after we have um, celebrated the study that was done in his memory. And now it's my privilege to call upon a good friend. I have to tell you, um, I'm going to call upon Rabbi Schloss to share some thoughts uh, about Fred. Um, Fred. Norm and I are members of a club. May we be separated for a long and healthy life. Uh, but Fred, Norm, and I share the same Bar Mitzvah Parsha, Parsha's Pinchas. And each one of us had our own pull to be able to get called from after, because Rabbi Schloss was the Gabbai, I was the Rabbi, and Fred was the executive director. So when you all have pull, nobody has pull. So how did it work out? I don't know how we did it. Are oh, you going to talk about it? Okay. Rabbi Shah. Although I don't remember it, my association with Fred goes back further than anyone else here, possibly even including Gloria. In the late 1950s, Fred was in the armed services and used to visit his uncle Siegfried Hamburger in Washington Heights. Uncle Siggy sat in front of my father in what was known as Libeshul. I was all of eight years old when I first was introduced to Fred. About 20 years later, I once again met Fred when Lydia and I moved to Atlanta. He was my first contact with the Atlanta community and congregation Beth Jacob. Fred was glad to meet me and was thrilled that I was also a Yekka of German descent, as I was then able to legitimize many of his menhagen. A couple of years later, Fred introduced me into the world of Kashrus by having me oversee the AKC supervision at various hotels. In those days, the AKC consisted of Rabbi Emanuel Feldman, Herb Lackalavashalem, Fred, and I. Since my working hours were very flexible, I was enlisted to be along with Fred as a witness for Gittin, Jewish divorces. In those days, it was Chazen Stiefel who wrote the Gittin with Rabbi Emanuel officiating. I remember one particular case where after the get was given to the wife, Rabbi Emanuel instructed her that the, divorce, that the divorce was concluded, whereupon she ran over, threw her arms around Rabbi Emanuel, and gave him a big kiss. <laughs> Rabbi Emanuel remarked to Fred and me that he had been kissed at weddings and funerals, but never at a get. <laughs> On all subsequent gittin, Fred and I were instructed to stand between the rabbi and the woman. Fred also enjoyed doing calligraphy. I have in my possession many sforim, which Fred inscribed with my name. He even made for both of us official witness business cards. Okay. Says, uh, mine says, Naftali ben Gabriel Halevi Schloss, aid official, Hameyid Legitim Uksuvos. From birth to bar, to, bar, to bar mitzvahs, to weddings to graves, Fred was involved. For instance, he wrote my daughter Sippy's official Jewish certificate, as well as her kasuva, her marriage contract. Fred was not only involved with Beth Jacob, he also insisted other congregations when questions regarding care of the departed arose. He also was head of the annual Heva Kedisha dinner. I recall one time that I was at a shul board meeting 
and we were told that Fred and the rabbi would not be in attendance as they were needed desperately at the airport. We found out afterwards that there was a gentleman from Detroit who had flown into Atlanta. It was the last night for saying Kiddush Lavana, and Detroit was overcast for the last two weeks. The gentleman needed two people to meet him at the airport to recite the prayer, after which he caught the next flight going home. Of course, we all know that Fred enjoyed davening. As Hazen on Shabbos and Yantuf, he especially enjoyed sharing with us all his father's famous year-end Kaddish on Simplest Torah Night. It also happened that Rabbi Ilan, Fred, and I shared the same by Mitzvah Pasha, Pasha's Pinchas. As Gabai, I always made sure that Fred got Levi, Rabbi Ilan got Shlishi, and I, of course, got Maftir. <laughs> As time marched on and Ephraim Frankel and Jeff Ram moved on, Fred again turned to me to be the Gabai, a position that I held for over 15 years. It was Fred who was always by my side as he knew everybody and let me know who in shul needed to get an honor on Shabbos. Fred also assisted me in many endeavors that we now all take for granted, such as the community conquering of vessels for Pesach and burning of chametz. He was also a regular learning partner. Every Shavuos night, we would get together to learn for an hour, along with Hayar Bakalav Shalom, Ebezwal Shalom, and others. Gloria would put out tweets for us as well. No sesame seeds. <laughs> He also was active in learning Gemara with my group every Shabbos afternoon between me and Kamarov. When Fred left his position at Beth Jacob, it was my honor to spearhead a campaign for a Sefer Torah to be written in his honor. This Sefer Torah remains in use as a true testimonial to Fred. The Mishnayas I learned in memory of Fred were Moed Karton and Chagiga. Moed Karton reviews many of the laws pertaining to, Chol- to Yom Tov, Cholamoed as well as Hanukkah and Purim all occasions on which Fred made his imprint. Speaking of all occasions, in two and a half weeks will be two bishvat, and Lydia always made sure that Fred got his boxer. Chagiga lists all the requirements regarding those who went up to Yerushalayim on the holidays. Substitute Yerushalayim with Beth Jacob, and that describes Fred as well. It also describes how to maintain the purity of the Beis HaMikdash, a job which, felt, which Fred diligently sought to all at, at all times to the extent that he was critical of those who came to shul or led the services and were not properly attired. As I mentioned at the beginning, I don't remember the first time I met Fred. However, I shall never forget the last time I spoke with him. I was in Israel when I received a message on my phone from Fred at 1 a.m. Israel time. I was half asleep, so I didn't answer him, but rather I called him back on Friday. It was Erev Shabbos Sukkot. Fred asked me if we take the Lulav and Esrog on Shabbos. I thought it strange that he was asking me something that he knew and practiced all his life. I answered that we don't, to which he replied, I thought so, but I wasn't sure. This was on Friday, September 29th, possibly around the time he had his stroke. At Shiva, we depart with words of comfort using the name Hamakum Minachem Eskem as the name of Hashem. Hamakom means the place. What we are saying is that the place, the memories and stories regarding the departed should be our consolation. The legacy of Fred Grossman, Mordechai ben Shraga Halevi, the stories and memories that we have of our interactions with Fred's are one that will live on with his family and all those who came into contact with him. May his memory be a blessing for all of us.
Thank you, Norm. That was beautiful. Really very moving. Appreciate it. Uh, that, uh, you mentioned the story about the uh, visitor from Detroit who came in for Kiddush Savannah. Uh, do you remember who went out there to the airport with him? Yep. Yeah, I did. I, 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 thought, you were, I thought you were going to claim you did. Uh, but no, what's funny about that was that, um, I forget the rabbi's name, is Gamma the G at the end. Um, what's that? Gruskin, of course, Rabbi Gruskin of Shalom. Yeah. So um, he told us a joke that Fred could not get over. Fred would repeat this joke over and over again. Uh, the, the punchline is um, the, uh, the, uh, the whole idea of sins, a virus, being pronounced by Hasidic guys, a virus. They would talk about how a virus are a virus, and Fred just loved that. He did ad nausea. <laughs> Anyway, Rabbi Brian, please come forward and share with us. Thank you. We are so incredibly grateful. I mean, to look around the room and see all of you here, talk about Hamakom. I mean, this is a place that exemplifies God's presence and, and my father loved, just loved with all of his heart. He couldn't wait to tell me what was happening here on a Shabbos. He was so proud of this synagogue all the time. And, and even in the throes of dementia, he would shuffle. To, it would take him 20, 25 minutes to get from the house to shul. But if there's one thing he never wavered on, it was that. He knew that he had to go to shul. He knew that he had to daven. He continued to wear his tzitzis because at the core of his being was Yiddishkeit. You know, the... Um, at the end of the funeral service, during which I was not allowed to eulogize, um, <laughs> at the very end, this, this man comes up to me and he reaches out and he shakes my hand and I shake his hand and he doesn't look familiar. Certainly not a member of, of this tribe. And uh, he introduces himself and I said, what brings you here? And he says, my name is Brooke Bolton. And I just want, everyone knows who Brooke Bolton is, except me. So I'm Brooke Bolton and, and I own the Monument Company. I said, the Monument Company? He said, yeah, the Monument Company. He said, you know, your father has been designing our monuments for years and years and years. I said, of course I know because that's all he talks about, his life, his focus, his hobby was doing the calligraphy, the Hebrew calligraphy for all the cemetery Jewish headstones, the monuments. Every time there was a need for a Jewish monument, my father was called. And I think I, I referred at the funeral to the fact that even until like his last week on this earth, they were still faxing him. I mean, who uses a fax machine in 2020? And they were faxing him work to actually prepare the monuments. He would, he would in Hebrew calligraphy, using this light table that was set up downstairs, craft each monument. And by the way, this wasn't a simple one-liner, two-liner, but it was intricate with a lot of verbiage. But my father was committed to this little side gig of his. I mean, don't know how much it paid, but it must have been incredibly lucrative. So I said, Mr. Bolton, I, I apologize. I said, I'm sure you're aware by now that my father can no longer design monuments and provide calligraphy for you. He said, that's not true. I said, 
According to my belief, it's kind of true. Like, I, I love my father. He was powerful and magical, but I'm not sure he'll be able to continue providing you with the calligraphy. He said, no, he will. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I didn't tell your father, but a few years ago, I digitized his calligraphy. I took every single Hebrew letter and I digitized it. And this is now the basis for the Hebrew alphabet we use. So whenever a monument is made, it's your father's lettering. So he said, your father still works for us. My father's still doing the job. His Hebrew will continue to appear on all of the stones. His words, his letters, his mark still lives on. What beautiful Torah Brooke Bolton taught me that day. He's right. He's right. Our father left his mark. His words, his message, his passion, his love and care of family and friends, his love of Torah. The great thing about my father was he wasn't a Jewish philosopher. He wasn't a Hebraist. He wasn't a Talmud Chacham, but he loved, he loved his Judaism. He loved studying Torah. He loved chanting. He loved liturgy. He loved it all. When we would sit around the Shabbos table, he would ask for one of us to share the Var Torah. Always usually landing on me. Thank you, Danny. But he, he cared about the benching. Who was going to lead benching? Now, it's true. I'm a bit of a cut up. And when my brother was asked to lead benching, I might have made it my job to make him laugh while he was leading benching. But it was all in jest. And my father was so sweet about it and so loving, he would pretend that he didn't know. He would pretend at the Passover Seder not to realize that we were throwing frogs at each other and food across the table. And he would just continue. He would continue letting us have our fun because this becomes part of the memory around the table. But it all lives on. His love of Jewish values, his humor, his smile, his friendliness, his, his menschlichkeit, his compassion and kindness, his yirat shemayim, his commitment, his love of God, his inspiration, it all lives on and will continue to live on for many, many years. You know, the um, Merriam-Webster, I know I have a limited amount of time, but you know what happens when rabbis are invited to share a word. Um, the, the word of the year, according to Merriam-Webster, anybody know what the word of the year 2023 was? Authentic. Authentic. Okay, good, I like that. Authentic. My father was authentic. I mean, it, he was exactly who he was. He was exactly that person. He was exactly that way at home and at work. He was exactly that way when he was visiting people at Berman Commons or at Tulip Garden or any of the other homes that he visited or the hospitals. He would just, he would perform these mitzvahs without calling attention to them. We didn't even know. I had no idea that he was out in the world performing funerals and memorial services when a rabbi wasn't available. I didn't know. I had no idea that, that he, along with Rabbi Schloss and others, were signing Gittin and signing Ketubas and all sorts of... I didn't know because it's not something he bragged about. 
It was authentically who he was. And there is brokenness. I mean, yes, we, we laugh and, and we're celebrating his life, but, but there's brokenness. But that's just part of the human condition. We, we are broken at times and there are setbacks. There will always be a missing chair around our Shabbos table and Pesach Seder. No one left to walk around the family house on Kittredge Court with a candle and a feather and a wooden spoon on Erev Pesach. No one to set all the light switch timers on Friday afternoon in preparation for Shabbos. No one to bless us in that incredibly beautiful, meaningful way on Erev Yom Kippur. But at the same time, this, this state of incompleteness has given us the opportunity to celebrate our father's contributions to the community. His zechut, his merit, is beyond measure. And we are so grateful to have been blessed with his presence for 91 years. Yehizichrom Baruch, may Mordechai ben Dov Shraga's Halevi's memory always be a blessing and join me in saying, Amen. Okay, we've got a few minutes, very few minutes, and um, matter of fact, I have a secret amount of time that we're going to allow those of you who want to raise your hand and just share something about Fred. Uh, this is your opportunity. Um, so we're not going to go on forever about this. We're just going to do this for a little sh time. But if anybody wants to share anything at all, Myra, surprise. <laughs> Myra was usually totally quiet. <laughs> I just, I just like to share something about Fred. It's just so Fred. So in 1991, I went to Neve. Menachem Deutsch, Rabbi Deutsch, wanted me to go to Neve. I came back. For the first time in my life, I wanted to join this shul. So in the old, old office, you know, downstairs in the basement, I went in and I knocked on the door and I said, Fred, I said, um, I'm thinking of becoming a member. And I said, I don't know if I qualify. I said, I don't keep Shabbos. I don't keep kosher. I don't do this. I don't do that. He just kind of looked at me with a blank face and he went, is your mother Jewish? I said, yes. And he said, okay. So anyway, it's just so, so simple. He was just so incredible. And um, may his memory always be the last name. Thank you. Rabbi. Rabbi and then Rabbi. I just want to mention two things. Um, uh, uh, amongst the Kolels, since learning and certain Torah personalities were very important to us, Fred, when he was young, had spent, I think, two years by Rav Moshe Feinstein. Okay. He lived there. Ramosha Feinstein was the Torah giant of the past generation, and um, Fred had certain customs that he knew. He didn't remember all the names of the great rabbis and the people that came through the house. He answered the door, he answered the phone, but he was a young man who would just stay there because he was at the yeshiva in the Lower East Side. And um, he, there was one particular thing when Ramosha Feinstein would kiss his tzitzis after 
Hashem Elokeichem Emes, after the Shema, in the next paragraph, Ramosha Feinstein would kiss, kiss his tzitzis at one time, and in most Siddurim it says it at a different time. And in Fred Sitter, you'll see one of the things he said, this is where Ramosha Feinstein kissed his tzitzis, and he continued to do it that way. So it was a, a tremendous connection for all of us when we first came, Rabbi Deutsch, myself, Rabbi Yaman Friedman, when, when the Kolo first arrived, Rabbi Schwartz, and there was a little bit of a tension between our existence here. We sort of changed the usage of the shul. The shul used to be a morning services, afternoon, evening services, and now the coals here all the time. And that sort of offset things with Fred and how what's going to happen. And it took a while for us to get onto the same page with keys and leaving things open and life here late at night, all the things that sort of disrupted the routine. But eventually Fred became one of our greatest fans. I just wanted to mention one other thing of many funerals Fred and I were at, and um, at Mervyn Rabinowitz's funeral, Fred, Mervyn Rabinowitz was the bubblegum man, and uh, we were all putting dirt on the kever, and Fred took a handful of bubblegum and threw it in there. <laughs> he just knew all of the combination of things to do, just with a little bit of a uh, sensitivity towards each of the people. Uh, I mean, he really took the words out of my mouth um, because that's what I wanted to share. And I had the great uh, pleasure and zechus to have Fred uh, join my Tuesday night or Monday night class, which we had for many years, and he joined kind of later on. But until the very end, we, when we finished the Tanakh a couple of years ago, we started doing Mishnah, and then we started talking about Talmudic topics. And even after... I think he had already had some kind of impairment. It was uncanny how he would come, how he would struggle with his walker, how Gloria would drop him off, and he would not miss a class. And he was listening intently and asking questions. And even when he, even when he was repeating himself, he continued to ask those questions. And I thought to myself that this was the influence that by, by being in the presence of the greatest you know, Torah scholar of our generation for two years, how much it impacted him and how much it gave him that love of learning that Brian spoke about. And it was uh, tremendous to know that background and to make that connection. We have time for, please, David. Make it Bijan. What I have to say is, I'm sure something everybody here knows already, but I thought I would just personalize it because it's something I've always remembered about Fred. And that is that uh, he's primarily responsible for my family moving here. When in the 90s we wanted to move out of New York, we looked at a number of communities. And everybody in New York, New Jersey, somehow knew that Fred was the greatest executive director in the country. So they said to us, you go down to Atlanta, he's going to make you feel welcome. And they were 100% right. In addition to Rabbi Feldman, his influence on us, Fred made all the difference in the world. He could not have been more welcoming and made you feel more comfortable in a shul. Uh, and so um, that's a tremendous legacy, at least for, for my family, for, for Fred to have. Actually, he just took 50% of my talk. Thank you. <laughs> 1983, real quickly, did I came to Atlanta. I graduated as an electrical engineer in Chicago. Came here just because me and my wife we were talking and I met her in Chicago, so I came here. I came to this congregation. 
Rabbi Feldman, everybody else, were not most, most welcoming people i ever seen. I called my boss, which I was working at the shoe company. I told him I'm not coming and I'm staying in Atlanta because of Fred. And I asked him, what should I do till I find a job? He said, I'll give you a job. I was his mashkiach at visiting down, down, downtown, and I would call him up, go to the hallway, pick up the phone, dial the numbers, pick up, I says, this problem I have. He says, that's how you go around it, and that's what you should do. Take care of it this time. I'm going to talk to them, because they're always trying to pull something on you. And uh, I never forget. And then we, uh, we was, I used to do catering, and I used to uh, set up kiddishes here with uh, Mr. Rabbi Shalom. I always, every Friday, go through him and bug him. And he always calm me down, says, we got this, we got this for you, do this. They used to call me, we have $100, we have 120 this week, so do the Kiddush for this and that. Never forget. Um, really, Mamash, person that I came to Atlanta taught me how to stand on my leg was Mr. Fred Glassman. Thank you. Let me bring you the mic over here. That's why we have a mic. <laughs> when the Kofi clan came to Atlanta uh, in the 80s, early 80s, um, I came along because we were trying to sell our house in Columbus, Ohio. So I didn't stand up there with my boys. And so for the first series of holidays, I met Fred and I said, we are getting to orthodoxy. We're not there yet, but my older son wanted a Jewish high school and Yeshiva high school fit the bill. Right, brother? Okay. And so that was why we just decided to come to Atlanta. Besides the position with Israel Bonds, which gave me a living for many years. But on the first series of holidays, I went back to Columbus for Rosh Hashanah, and I, you know, Yom Kippur, and I came back, and I was going to stay here during Sukkot. And Fred said, are you fixed up for any Sukkot meals? I said, not really, it's just not a holiday I've been terribly crazy about. All of a sudden, I get a phone call, ding, 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 from my witness teams. Are you busy on the first day of Sukkot? Ding, 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 from the Ezreal. Are you busy on the second day of Ding, 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 are you busy on Shabbat? All of a sudden, I had invitations for the Italian Yom And that was Fred. He would never admit, but that was Fred. And beyond that, I think it made our transition to orthodoxy a lot easier. Thank you. I see your hand, I saw him. In 1977, Jane and I were driving through Atlanta to visit my aunt, my late aunt and uncle Jackson, Florida. And on the way, on the way down, um, we decided to look around Atlanta. We watched him about a uh, North Park, New Jersey, and in, in New Jersey, we were visi
So we want to come back and show him my friend. His smile can melt your heart. So helpful, the mention kindness, the love of God Israel. He loved every Jew, always willing to help. So we told him we were passing the front away to Jackson, but we wanted to look at the community. Picks up the farm, calls up Dr. Frankel at the Hebrew Academy, and sends us over there to meet him to learn about the Hebrew Academy. While with the Hebrew Academy, Dr. Frankel picks up the farm, calls up Linda and Irvin Rabinowitz to have dinner with them that night. So we can meet a family in Atlanta to see the real southern hospitality over here. Which we did. We fell in love with the community. So we went to Jacksonville. Jacksonville was a much smaller city at the time. There wasn't much to offer by white schools. And we decided we are going to move down here. The memories are wonderful. I mentioned to my son Mendel, this Kanina Hara 45. He, he and both Nelson were born here, this, this southern Atlantans. And I mentioned that I was coming tonight for the Shloshan. He goes, Frank Lussman? I said, yes. He goes, Ema, I still remember how Bella with Frank Lussman. Doesn't that say it all? For every sinful at the shul, he and, and Mr. Burnbaum, who was the caterer at the time, before Bijan and Janet, they were a team. Everything went smoothly. For every sinful, for everything. He was, you know you can count on Fred. And he did everything lovingly with a smile, kind to everybody. And I want to share that with you. We've got time for a couple more. And then we're going to close with a Kalamali and Kanish. Just a very quick um, note. Um, I, I talk about this community a lot to people because I love it here. And one of the things I always say is I have friends of all ages. And not just like acquaintances, like real friends. And when I say that to people, I'm always talking about Fred. Like, he and I had just a fun relationship. We always joked with each other. We were just, you know, like real friends. Like my, like my, my good friend. I felt very close with him. And uh, another note, he, um, I'm not sure exactly why, but he gave me a pair of his cowboy boots. <laughs> so I'm the very lucky owner of a pair of cowboy boots. <laughs> Absolutely. Got time for one more? That's something. Very good. Bye-bye. just want to say it was a wonderful opportunity working with Fred at Berman Commons. Even though he was older than most of them there, he was the most energetic person there that I've seen. He gave classes every day and it was really um, invigorating. It was wonderful to see. And um, it was a big schluss to work with him. Thank you. Fred answered the phone, and his cheery voice was always so friendly, like everyone said, and just made you feel comfortable right there, and, and I missed his phone calls, and, and also uh, everything. I think everyone shared the experiences that you shared tonight. We all experienced them with Fred. It was, he was a wonderful person. 